Hi, this is John Cackley with Centric Viz and Tech Talks. Today I'm talking with Erin Truex, Centric's Learning Manager, to talk about how you can make learning into a professional habit. So Erin, uh, tell me more about your role with Centric. Yes, so I have been with Centric for over six years now, and I'm currently serving as the Learning Manager. And that can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. For me right now, it sort of means that I am I'm a steward of Centric's learning. So, you know, part of my role is managing the nuts and bolts of degree, but then part of it also is, you know, helping people find learning and find how learning can work best for them. We try not to make it much of the sort of dry, mandated training, boring, you know, I have to do this. We try to make it much more intrinsically motivating. And so that's sort of my role is to um, to tap into to the Centric thought waves and, and figure out how to do that. Great. Great. So how important is continuing education in our careers today? So important. Um, you know, as consultants, we kind of joke sometimes that, you know, we just have to stay one step ahead of the client, but that's really true. And if you sort of stay stagnant in your learning and you're, you know, referencing technology that's two years old, five years old, 10 years old, you know, you're not going to be the, that sort of trusted resource for your clients. And so staying on top of, of what is current and, and, uh, things that your client might need that they don't know that they need, very relevant in today's uh, consulting industry. Sure, yeah, just bringing up new ideas, you know, that being five minutes or 10 minutes ahead of our clients to be able to bring in ideas maybe they haven't heard of, I think that's often very valuable. Just It, it shows that we're thinking about them, and, and it's not just the, the appearance, right? We want to be ahead, so we are thinking about them. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's the doing, not just the appearance of doing. Yes, absolutely. So how do you see continuous education working for us in terms of sort of a, a process? And then think about it at an individual level, not, not where a consultant or somebody else sits, you know. How do people learn? So there really is no one-size-fits-all approach. You and I have talked a lot about, you know, different learning styles and kind of thinking, looking inside and thinking, you know, how best do I learn? If you're someone who, um, when you hear things, you can really commit them to memory. Using resources like podcasts can be great. Um, if you're someone who stuff tends to go in one ear and out the other, you're more of, say, a reader. Um, you know, certain using certain digests and things can, can help you sort of meet you where you are in terms of capturing information. And also just being aware of, you know, how can you how can you fit those into your your daily habits? Is it something that you do on the way to or from work? Is it something that you can do over a lunch hour? Don't try to fit a square peg in a round hole. If you're not someone who enjoys sitting and reading on a computer, don't read articles online. Um, you should try and make it you know, as easy and as palatable as possible. Especially in today's world, there are so many different ways to consume information that you should be able to find something that, that suits your, your needs and your wants. Right, right. So one of the things we talked about when we were doing our recent breakout session is sort of the production line of knowledge where we bring in new information, you sort of synthesize that with the experience. You sort of test, I've read this or I've heard this, how does this match for my own experience? Then you sort of proceed through a, you know, what's what do I know that's out of date? What can I get rid of? What do I jettison? You know, sort of throw off the off the ship. Mm -hmm. And then how do I learn new things, right? How do I expand to that, bring in new perspectives? So maybe I've heard a theory, a fact, um, experience. How Maybe how do I get help from other resources to sort of put that in perspective, you know, so I can't maybe address my own, use my own perspective, my own experience as much, but I need somebody else's experience. And it sort of brings it around to the circle. So what do you think? I mean, do you have any, any additions, critiques for that, you know, advice so, on using it? 
Yeah, I would say one thing is definitely be aware of how much you know or, or what you what you think you know, I guess I would say. Um, and ask yourself constantly, what if I didn't know this? Um, you know, what am I assuming here that someone else might not know? And I think those assumptions are super important to number one, be aware of. So if you're trying to you know, work with someone else or teach someone else, they might they might be missing a very important bridge between you know, two thoughts. And also challenging those things can be where you sort of do that unlearning, relearning. Is this still current? Um, you know, if it's some it's a big assumption that you're you know, basing a lot of other decisions on, you don't want it to be you know, a false foundation. Um, so I think just kind of being being self-aware of of some of those biases that you might have or, or some things that you thought were true, you know, big T truths, fact, uh, things change over time. And it's, you know, especially if there's something that you keep going back to and keep referencing, how embarrassing would it be if it's not anymore, right? Right, right, right. Yeah, another thing I think you you, you got real close there or, or just a spurt of thought from my mind is, is being humble about the knowledge you have, you know, possibly recognizing mm -hmm. the limitations of it or, or how it may be dated. You know, I'm working with a bunch of guys right now and we were all COBOL programmers, you know, back in the day. Well, that's great. It doesn't mean that we're ready to jump up and be programmers again, you know, tomorrow. You know, things have moved on. Uh, some of the the needs, some of the tools, the technology, it's all changed. And, mm -hmm. you know, I even look at that as sort of, it's an aspect of humility, vulnerability, whatever you like to call it, mm -hmm. which is, you know, you're talking to somebody, maybe a developer, an architect, whatever, and say, yeah, I know something about programming. I, I've done mm -hmm. programming, but let's not pretend that I'm, you know, that I know so much more than you who are, are current and up to date. Mm -hmm. You know, help me understand what you know now you know, at least to what I need for my current role, you know, it gives people a good feeling about you know, their own knowledge that, you know, people like mm -hmm. to share what they know. Uh, but also when you do that, even if you do have a, a fairly deep amount of knowledge there, when somebody else is, you know, is sort of opening things up broadly, you may still learn things. You may get perspectives you didn't know. And I think it all comes from that sort of, you know, humility, you know, not just yes. being a know-it-all and saying, well, you can't possibly teach me anything. Oh, absolutely. And and when you ask someone those questions, I think, you know, number one, it forges a deeper relationship. And number two, if they're sort of explaining their thought patterns, either it might expose, you know, something that neither one of you thought of in terms of, you know, a gap or a new idea. And I am just always flabbergasted by the different ways that other people tackle problems that aren't me. And, you know, I think definitely more heads are better than one. And so when you kind of have those very open, very vulnerable conversations of, you know, well, tell me more, um, you know, I'm not quite sure I understand how you're thinking about it. Can you explain it in a different way? Mm -hmm. Can be so eye-opening and I think really and truly forge stronger solutions. Sure, sure. Well, let's, let's talk a little more about learning versus unlearning. Partly this came out of a blog article I wrote, I don't know, a year or two ago, talking about unlearning and the idea that some of our knowledge becomes stale and we should be looking forward, you know, we should be forward facing in our learning. I've got some initial reaction, you know, when you sort of might've heard unlearning, did you have an initial reaction? Did that, did that sound strange to you? Not so much, especially, you know, just the little conversation we had there on sort of being aware of biases. To me, that's sort of mm -hmm. what it, it triggered in my head is what are the biases that inform your thought structure and, and sort of paradigm of decision-making evaluations, et cetera, and, and taking a step back from those and saying, well, if I didn't have these biases, how might I feel differently or how might I approach this differently? That's sort of where, what unlearning pinged in my head. Okay. Yeah, I, I know when I wrote this also, I shared that with uh, with my wife who happens to be in education and 
has always been this great advocate of of a lifelong learning. And I think the the words sort of had a little bit of a trigger for her. Of, what do you mean? What do you mean unlearning? And and a lot of that I I think builds on where I was going and thinking about unlearning, which is that we tend to think of of the development of skills, development of knowledge as being purely a positive, it's, it's a linear thing, we're always growing, we're always adding something. Uh, and even ignoring the fact that, yeah, we sometimes forget stuff. But the other part of it is that some of what we learn as it gets older loses value and, and it can be you know, a bias, right? You know, I, I'm working, certainly work, have worked with people who are, you know, they're, they're sort of stuck in another place or another time and they're using information a certain way and they need to, you know, to either adapt their existing knowledge into the new place or they need to go relearn and learn, learn new things to say how, what works here, not what worked in situation X 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that is something, and it's a different model of education. I mean, our whole, our whole education system assumes that it's a constant accumulation. It's never a, you know, a subtraction or an erosion. I think um, to your earlier point, it's important to, you know, think critically about the situation that you're in. You said, you know, a solution you might have used before might not work now. And that is so true. You know, and just being aware of and being open to other other ideas and other thoughts and ways to change things, I think is, you know, definitely step number one in, in progressing just in general. Right. So uh, let's talk about real concrete steps. What steps can people do to make learning a habit? You know, what steps can they take? What tools can they use? Well, so number one, we kind of already talked about, you know, being self-aware and figuring out how do you like to consume information? Um, that will sort of point you in a direction of maybe where you should be consuming information from. Um, I think step number two is figuring out how to make it part of your daily routine. A lot of folks, when they wake up in the morning, will check a couple different sources for you know, whatever quote unquote news of the day. Personally, I get like an email digest of actual news. Um, I do a little bit of Instagram scrolling. And so how do I fit what I want to learn into those three things? Because I know that's something I'm going to be doing every morning. And so it might be, like we talked about earlier, it might be that morning commute. You know, are you listening to a book that you you know wouldn't have time to sit down and read because you have to drive in and out of the city for work? Just looking for those little pockets of, I like to call it found time. I think mm-hmm. that's to me step number two. And step number three is looking at, you know, there's so many different tools out there to make learning um, easier, make it more kind of deliver it to you. And then also there are tools out there and, and these can all either be, you know, one tool that does it all or a couple different ones that you sort of bootstrap together. A part that we overlook a little bit is recall. And so, you know, say you're reading five articles a day, that's 25 a week times 50 over a year. That's a lot. And, you know, it's one thing if you're able to sort of memorize everything, that's fantastic. Props to you, but that's not me. And so part (laughs) of my process is, you know, how do I catalog these things that I would like to refer to later, uh, you know, in a meaningful way? All I need to remember is, hey, I listened to this really cool webinar a year or two ago about employee incentives and making them more chance-based versus, you know, anticipating they are getting, uh, you know, bonus at a particular time of the year. And that's all I have to remember. And if I have a good recall system, then I can go back through and find the actual resource instead of trying to, you know, memorize an hour's worth of webinar or, you know, law article or book, things like that. So I think those to me, um, you know, being aware, finding time, and then using tools 
to help you either digest and or archive. Great. How about sharing, you know, knowledge? What do you, what do you think about ways that people can do that and, and how that can help? Yes. One thing that we've talked about a little bit, you and I, John, is, you know, finding interesting people in your life and sort of peeking over their shoulder and seeing what they're up to. And that can either be kind of active or passive, depending on, you know, if they're using any social tools that you can sort of see what they've been posting on LinkedIn or see what they've been consuming and to read. There are a couple of technologists in our company that I just love following because they just are into interesting stuff. And, you know, there are some other really great thought leaders. One thing that you and I have talked about is kind of keeping tabs on thought leaders that might be younger than you. They might be, you know, challenging different assumptions in the industry, thinking about things differently, bringing in new tools that you just, you know, haven't been exposed to. And so having sort of a, a broad range of, you know, categories, if you will, of people that you follow and then also, you know, different demographics, I think can be important. And then also, you know, sharing with other people what you are learning. I think that sort of begets you know, conversation, say, hey, you know, John, I read this really great book. And then in a month or two, you know, you read something really interesting, think, hey, I should share this with Aaron. And so you've kind of got this back and forth relationship of people that are just interested in learning. And I think right. uh, it sort of can snowball. Right. And I think even even things like, for instance, Centric has its its online book club, just another way to, to share because it's not just, oh, we all read the same book. Isn't that great? It's having a conversation, you know, seeing what different people got out of it. I think we did mm -hmm. one a couple of years ago. I, I thought the discussion went very interesting direction was uh, uh, lean in by Sheryl Sandberg because it's, mm -hmm. it's I don't want to say it's polarizing, but, but there are, there's some controversy. There's some different interpretations of that book. And, you know, being able to hear different perspectives, play around with it to help, you know, build your own, you know, sense of how you incorporate that, you know, what messages you take from it. I think mm -hmm. that can be really valuable too. Yeah, and I think it's such a different experience to do something like, you know, read that by yourself and, and think about it and reflect on your own experiences. But then when you start talking and engaging with other people and hearing their experiences and, you know, hearing them challenge certain things from the book or, or think about them in different ways, I think is even so much of a richer experience than if you'd just kind of done it by yourself. Right, right. You know, one of the best ways to learn anything is to teach it. So Absolutely. sharing information by you know, doing presentations to uh, lunch and learns with your team, something with, uh, you know, for instance, within Centric in our business unit meetings, you know, things like that that help share the information. You know, when you have to think about something, think about how to present it, you know, be somewhat rigorous about that. That's another mm -hmm. you know, great way to learn, learn a skill, uh, learn some knowledge, learn a theory. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. So Aaron, any last thoughts to uh, wrap up with? So one thing that we might not think about learning is how it can sort of give you energy and feed into your, what am I trying to say, John? Uh, well, uh, let me give you some synonyms. Um, yeah. Confidence, esteem building. Uh, I think energy is a great word. I mean, I, I see that with my daughter. I mean, she just loves to learn. Excitement of, wow, this is something I never knew before. This changes mm -hmm. how I view the world. Now, I think there's a lot of, of things there that, that can come out. Yeah. So I guess I would say, you know, be aware of, you know, sometimes client work can be kind of dull from day to day or, you know, not the most exciting thing that you're working on. And that can be a bit of an energy suck. And so you don't even necessarily need to think about learning in that career sense. It could just be, I'm going to go, you know, take a cooking class on Friday to decompress for the weekend, that's going to re-energize me for the weekend. You know, learning doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be in a book. It doesn't have to be online. It can be anything. And I think 
being aware of how that impacts your excitement and you know sort of what you're bringing to the table and other aspects of your life is really important i've had excellent success with community college courses they're super affordable and are in a wide variety of topics that i never would have dabbled in in my earlier career and they're a way to kind of get into deeper skills of certain classes um Mm -hmm. and you know look at at other places in your community you know libraries or community centers often will have great education stuff and there are so many resources out there that you know you can get out interact with other people interact with other thought leaders in your communities and you know definitely tap into that sort of energy charge that you can get from you know staying stimulated and engaged just another way to look at uh, learning which is it's recreation too mm-hmm. it's part of i guess that lifelong learning is that you love to learn and and you get something out of it all the time yes absolutely i think learning should be fun hands down this has been centric biz and tech talks Thanks for listening.